Okay, what is this? Correct, this is a cookie sheet. I need two volunteers to hold a cookie sheet. One on this side, way to, way to step in. Way to step in, you guys wanna get close. This is like powerful, I'm telling you. Closer, like you gotta be able to see this. Can I move this back? No kidding, man. Who, this has got. It is made solid. All right. This is. Once again, what is this? Cookie sheet. Cookie sheet. You are. Yes. You agree? Cookie sheet. You're sure. You're new. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Because you guys are the smartest people in the room. What is this? Wrong. This is you. This is your heart. It is. You'll believe. You believe that? Carolyn believes it because she likes me. This is you. This is you. What is this? That's whipped cream. I can't say that's wrong. Cannot say that's wrong. You have to be 18 years old to buy that. Any ideas over here? What? Can of whipped cream. I can't say you're wrong. This is what? It's supposed to represent spirit. It's a pretty good shot. I'm going to say God's love. Okay. There you go. Preach it. God's love. We talked about it this morning. This is God's love. Okay. I need a volunteer. Okay. What's your name? You're supposed Matthew. to put your face upside down with your mouth open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it is uh, whipped cream. <laughs> this is God's love for you. Tell me your name. Matthew. Matthew. It's a great name. You know that's a gospel in the, in the Bible. One of the best books yeah. ever. Okay. How much does God love you? This is God's love. This is you. You got it? This is you, Matthew. This is God's love. Is that how much God love you? No. Miss no. <laughs> Carolyn. You're disqualified. I'm sorry. I didn't see it. She said it. Oh, Carolyn did. Not me. Is that enough? Is that how much God loves you? But take, but take a look at this. A lot of people, and maybe some of you in your, in your lifetime, believe this is all that God loved you. Mm -hmm. This is all that God, this is all that God had for you. You see that? Does some of you recognize that that's what you believed in your story with God? That he loved you that much and no more? He just had to give you a little bit and you go like, I don't deserve any more. Matthew says no. There's more, right? By the way, you're in good company. So are the scriptures. And the Gospel of Matthew says that. Okay, so you tell me when. How much more? I think that's quite a bit. I think that's, maybe, yeah? What do you think? Is that enough? Okay. Well, I kind of set you up a little bit. Does anybody believe there's more? Oh, right here. <laughs> so, what? You better pull that thing out. That's all there is. He's another can. There's a can behind him in his pocket. But we have another can. All right. All right. All right. So, that's quite a bit. How many. How many of you up there believe God loves you that much? It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to. No. You don't have to. No. 
More? Yeah. Really? Oh, guys, I told you guys were the smartest in the room. You know, in the first chapter of Ephesians, the first chapter of Ephesians, there's a list of blessings, and he talks about God lavishing his love on you. Lavishing. It means being extravagant. It means being wasteful. How many of you were feeling something this morning when we said God loves you and you felt that? And tears came and you got quiet. It's because what the Holy Spirit was saying to you is I don't have just a little bit of love for you. I have a love that lavishes, that actually wastes. Yeah, the play was too big. Usually I go smaller and make the point. But Maybe I should have brought the can from the house. Okay, look at this. We're risking it. That's how much God loves you. More than that, even. For that, you get to try. You get to. There's no abundant amount of anything that could ever measure to it. You believe that? You felt that this morning. You did. You believe it? Who are you gonna slap this on? You guys have devious minds. You want to taste? No. Okay, so sometimes. Sometimes, believe this or not, young people, sometimes older people have a harder time believing this than kids. Mm -hmm. We've gone too many years, too many years, where we thought, God just has a little bit for me. I'm not worthy enough. I'm looking at you as adults. I told you I was going to revisit this this afternoon. This is a visual, tangible, tactile experience where it just is, God loves you a bunch. And we get to gifts, and we get to moving out in mission and extending and releasing the kingdom. We've got to know this. We've got to know this. It's overflowing. It's never ending. So when the river current gets going quicker and the kingdom starts moving in greater velocity and you're encountering perhaps more challenging situations, people, um, instances, when you're being discouraged by circumstances, when you're being discouraged by what the church might be going through or what you're going through personally and you're wondering why, this does not change. Get it? Mm -hmm. This is why I flew over here, just so you could see this and get this and get this again and again and again. Okay, put your hand out. I don't like that stuff on my hand, so. (laughs) You can put this back. picking on there's also like a the squirty stuff if you want you know. no this is good we're good okay that's good cream by the way that's good that's the food I because it was warm, it kind of. I know it. I know it. I'll just have to lick my hand in private here. Okay, a little fun. A little fun, a little laughter, a visual reminder, and a little posse who's solving church business right here. Um, but where we're going with this now is to move into how we're engaged with what Jesus had been doing and is now doing through us. This gets into gifts of the Spirit. 
This gets into uh, discernment, it gets into calling. And where I'm trying to take you is to open up things, Tim. Open up more to what God has for you next. Because the word, uh, current does get uh, wider, swifter, deeper. And, but that's where the adventure is, and that's where the spirit is. Did you hear the last part? Sometimes if we hang out in church too long, you go like, you know, the spirit's just not here. And sometimes that's not a bad question. It's just not dead on to what is going on. That we think that because we're here, it, the spirit shows up in worship, but it's only for refreshing and honoring God so that we might also be energized to go out and release the kingdom of God for those who haven't heard. And for many of us, including myself, the reason things get dull is because we've lost touch with the, uh, where the Spirit is. He's out there. He's out there drawing people in and releasing the kingdom. Does that make sense? It's not diminishing anything. I love church. I've been a church, part of church all my life. I'm a pastor, for heaven's sakes. I want to see the church grow. I want to see people developing discipleship. But if that's the end point, if that's all it is, it really doesn't, really doesn't hit the core of what's going on here in terms of carrying on the mission of Christ. And that goes all the way down to the youngest of us who um, still carry the DNA and the um, power of the Spirit for those who believe to be participating in that mission. It may be expressed in simpler ways and it may be expressed in developing ways, but it's still there. And, uh, all right. How are the gifts of the Spirit described as we think about engaging in releasing the kingdom? A um, couple of things. Well, let me read 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm sure you know this. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be ignorant. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God who works in them, works all of them in human beings. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. A couple of things here for definition. Gift is uh, a charisma. It is expression of God's grace and love. Uh, that's the Greek word. It's, you could call these a little gracelets. God's grace working through a particular expression, a gift of the Spirit in your life. Um, the Holy Spirit gives them freely, and he gives them as he chooses. No one has all the gifts. Sometimes we get envious of other people who have gifts that we might like or admire, but what God has given you is what God has given you, uh, and um, for a particular situation or over the course of a lifetime. I'll say more about that in a minute. So realize that um, we're all made different, and we have different gifts given to us. Um, it says here in 1 Corinthians 12 that there, is, there are different kinds of service. There are different gifts. There are different kinds of service. This is the expression of a servant's heart of God as, as expressed in Jesus. We are given gifts in order to serve. It's not necessarily for our own self-fulfillment, um, although I find it fulfilling to use my gifts. 
Um, it's not given to us so we can put ourselves on display. And by the way, that's particularly dangerous for preachers and worship leaders. And people of healing get a lot of good press and evangelists as well. But it's not to draw attention to ourselves, but to bless others in the church, in the body of Christ, and also to participate in, in um, the mission of God. It implies that there is no place for pride or wrong motives, in the, um, and instead we're called to exercise the gifts with tenderness, with humility, and with obedience. The obedience part is part of an outcome for this day that we talked about the Holy Spirit can be misunderstood, can be ignored, and can be resisted. We all do it. Let's just be honest. We all do it. When um, I've gotten assignments by God, I've gone often, really? I don't want to do that. Or I've made an excuse. Well, I've got something else that's important. That's part of the church that I need to do too. Um, or um, I've just been too scared to do it. So we need to have obedience. We need to have humility, and we need to have tender hearts, which is compassionate hearts. And we can't be compassionate until what? We know what? God loves us. And then there's workings, expression of the motivation of the gifts to affect the workings of God in the world. God is at work. He's often at work through organizations like churches, like Christian ministries, mission fields. There's workings. There's, there's actually structural, organizational things that are happening where the work of God is coming through it. And there are different kinds of workings. There are different kinds of workings in this church. Tell me about your church life. Where are different organizations operating in the church? You know them so well you don't even recognize them as different workings. Youth ministry. Okay. What else? Say again. Worship team. Prayer team. Yep. Yep. Got a children's ministry here? Oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah, yes. Yep. Worship ministry, totally. Yep. What other kind of workings are happening? Sure. Hospitality team. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good witness of the church to have it look like it's taken care of. Matters. So let's say a person has a gift of administration and they feel called to kids. And so, same, that's you, Doug. He's calling you back into teaching. I'm just letting you know right now, it's gonna come this afternoon in one hour or so. <laughs> uh, um, administration, but the, the calling, or the, 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 um, the service and the working is through children's ministry, over against somebody who's doing the books for the church. Administration, but it's back room, it's keeping the books in order. You see what I'm saying? Different workings, different services, different gifts, and manifestations, expressions of the way in which the hidden secrets of the kingdom are reviewed, um, speaks of unexpected happenings in advance of the cause of the kingdom. Give me an example of that, manifestations. Word of knowledge would be good, prophetic would be good, um, collective sense of uh, discerning, the certain use of the word or the gifts, discernment in uh, testing the prophetic, a word of knowledge, 
Um, but manifestations also can mean what? We were talking this morning about heartfelt things today. Oh, and, and yeah. You're saying that our bodies, and I just said my face leaked. Your face leaked. So a manifestation of the Spirit. Um, when I'm praying with people, I keep my eyes open and I watch because they have a physical body and sometimes the body begins to react to the Spirit before they're even aware of it. Tears come. Um, sometimes I got hot. I got really warm this morning. Now part of it's, you know, I'm not over-spiritualizing this. Part of it is we have bodies in the room, we are active and moving and stuff, but um, when we started talking about the love of God, I got really warm. Sometimes it's that way. Sometimes, um, for me, um, I have some shaking that can happen. Eyes fluttering. Breathing gets heavier. Knees get weak. Um, manifestations of the Spirit. Okay. It can be overdone. Don't get me wrong. It can be overdone. It can be overplayed. It can be over-dramatized, and that happens in the church, because guess what? When we're exercising the gifts of the Spirit, and people are developing in the gifts of the Spirit, um, they're um, growing. And when there's growth going on, there's always mess. So in our church, we're regularly going like, you need to dial that down just a little bit. I think that's being a little dramatic. Um, because sometimes people are just learning how to handle the gift and recognize the manifestation of the Spirit. And we also have people who are young in the faith who are going like, Oh, so the way you work in this church is you got to shake like a leaf before anybody pays any attention to you. So you, they're manufacturing stuff. Yeah, you can go that direction um, because we're human beings. But because of the physicality of our walk with God, because God honors the body and is inhabiting the body, sometimes our faces leak. Sometimes your eyes are fluttering and you don't even know that. Um, that you, people around you are going like, you don't do that normally. What's going on? Are you sensing the Spirit? Um, so there's different expressions and experiences with the Spirit. Not everyone has to have the same thing, okay? Does that make sense? Now, I, you know, I understand there's a range of people here from different church backgrounds that um, you may have been a church where they go like, no, you got to have this. you got to kind of express it this way for it to be recognized. But that's just not, I don't find that in Scripture. And if you do... I'm willing to be taught. Um, but the point here is that there's diversity of experience here, diversity of gifts, diversity of expressions, diversity of service, diversity of manifestations, how people experience this. And we need to recognize that and make room for that as a community. If we try to start pushing people into a box, like this is how the Holy Spirit works, and this only, we're doing... We're doing a disservice to our brother and sister in Christ. We're actually starting to communicate some disrespect. More importantly, we're starting to lose touch with what the Spirit is because we're sort of trying to put God in a box. So don't do that. Recognize the range of, of expression. Now, I've done a lot of time in Zambia, in Africa, and I mean 17 years' worth. And I'm there and been there regularly because Vineyard was developing vineyard churches, I'm a part of that, was developing the vineyard churches there so that they could raise up leadership and so they could become their own association of vineyard churches, which they are today, with their own national director, so forth and so on. So that's what I was doing over there, helping to raise up those leaders, helping to identify leaders, raise them up, and empower 
them so that that organizational um, part of that church could come together and find expression. And I came across lots of different expressions of the Spirit that I didn't see very often here. One of them being dancing. Like, I'm telling you, out in the bush with people who have next to nothing, when they worship, I mean, up the aisles they come. Now, it's tribal. It's part of their culture. But there's a freedom there that's contagious. And you know, I got Dutch reform background. We, we, we made wooden shoes. <laughs> it's not what you make you fleet of foot, OK? And, uh, and I'm an introvert, and, uh, and I don't dance well. So there's the trifecta right there. And I um, admire those folks who are you know, coming forward and singing and dancing before the worship. And uh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to see that expression of the spirit within that congregation in another part of the world. Do I see it here much? If you start dancing in my church, you're probably going to have a little pastoral consultation with me. You're going like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, we had handkerchief, a whole section, nah, not a whole section, several people who are waving handkerchiefs. And I'm not slamming this. Some of that might be your tradition. But we have a bunch of new people coming and checking out Christ, and they're being distracted from the gospel by the handkerchief waving because it's an in-house expression. We're going like, this is our public service. We can't go full-blown here without people having some context and understanding of what's going on, or we're going to freak them out, and they're not going to come back. And we want them to hear the gospel first, and then we'll bring them along. And then you have more freedom. So do that in your home group at home, less of it here, so that we can carry on the mission in a wide way. Do you see what I'm saying here? So you can be attractional to people who have no understanding of what's going on. So... Uh, in Vineyard Columbus, we have a big evangelistic ministry. We try to make a big, wide open space and make it dialed down enough that they're sensing God's presence, which they do. But we're not doing so much in-house or inner circle behavior that people go like, I don't know what you're doing. And we become a distraction. And it's because of the tension that we keep between individual expression of our ministry because of our walk with Christ with mission and try to find the middle ground there. I don't even know why I said that, but I did. Okay. So what are the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit to release the kingdom? We've talked about that. Evangelism. Here's another one. Mend and repair a broken world because of sin. Personal healing. Inner healing. Physical healing. Relational healing. Um, uh, uh, praying for structures, institutional structures in our society that are operating in a sense of brokenness and asking the kingdom of God to inhabit our leaders in a deeper and more personal way. Um, um, those are all part of what we're doing, restoring nature, honoring nature. It's God's world. It belongs to him. How we care for the world, the physical, personal, the natural world, it matters to God. So we're mending and repairing all of that, uh, delivering people of deep from demons. All this is scriptural. You find it in scripture. And then to authenticate the truth of the gospel, to authenticate the fact that this is not just us talking about words, it's actually being demonstrated through us. That's why Jesus was doing signs and wonders and moving in power, Holy Spirit power, so that he, people could visibly see the kingdom of God is here. Now understand that that in itself does not bring somebody to faith. It does demonstrate the reality of it. Um, people still need to fundamentally open their heart to the love of God. To give God glory. We give our gifts to 
uh, the congregation into mission to give God glory. And this is more challenging for some folks than others. So we give it away um, so that in all things God may be praised. Here's a great question. Is my service to the, uh, to the church, is my service outside of the community, under the power of the Holy Spirit, with my gifts, at the end of all of that activity and contribution from me, are people thinking more about God than me? Does that make sense? <laughs> to build up the church. Three, release the kingdom, give God glory, build up the church. Ephesians 4, 11, 12. So he gave some, uh, some to be dot, 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 to prepare people for works uh, of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until they reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. I just taught on this. I can't read it, but I taught on this Wednesday night in my church. Listen to that. So that the church might be built up still, until we reach unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. So, let me, did, did you all understand that? Did you all get that? You with me? I know we're in comatose area here. Okay. So, think about this. If you are withholding or not expressing the gifts God has given you to, particularly your congregation, the community of faith that you're a part of, or, and or, going out into the world and doing that, First of all, you're depriving the body of Christ right here of one of the expressions of God's Spirit in your midst. Does that make sense? If you don't use what God's given you, everybody else misses out on the benefit of that gift or those gifts. So yes, the church needs people to run, but more importantly, the body of Christ here is getting less than is possible if some of you or any person is withholding back their gifts. You need each other. And when that's shared, there's a sense of unity that comes together. We're in this together. We're experiencing God's spirit together because of the expression of gifts as well as our sharing of God's love together. And that goes from youth, children and youth right up on through. Whatever's being given to them to share. That's the way the design works. Your body of Christ needs you. And no matter what you're doing here, and I've done a lot of behind the service stuff. Um, I've had a pretty senior level position in a mega church in these last years, but most of what I'm doing is not stage stuff. It's everything else behind the scenes. Congregation doesn't even know what I do. But you pull that back and the church, the, the level of the spirit and the benefit to the church drops. In the sense of unity, if everybody's thinking like, well, I wish I could be in the band, and you're neglecting your gifts, now you're creating envy and coveting and you're beginning, divisions beginning to sow in, rather than saying, I'm just giving back to the church what God has given me. And that really should be the only proper way to do that, uh, to move forward. I am simply offering my gifts to the church for however the Spirit wants to use them this particular time. When I, I'm going to use myself as an example here. Yeah, yeah, I belong to a large church. 
But my first church was 40 people. And so I've gone small, medium, large. And um, I've gotten a lot of assignments that I really haven't cared for. I've been handled a lot of, would you take care of this mess, Stephen? On our staff, uh, in the congregation, a difficult pastoral care situation. Um, in fact, the men in my men's small group on Friday morning called me the fireman. Fire in a church, call Stephen in. And just, just have a steady personality. And, um, and I don't particularly enjoy that all the time. <laughs> but it's God's calling, and I offered him my gifts, and how I'm wired and how I'm gifted is meeting a need in the church, and I do find God's faithfulness through it, even though at the front end I go like, I would just soon pass on this. So it's not always we get what we want. And I asked about desire. I got that. It's also coupled alongside of where is God asking you to be responsive and what does the church need? And I say that only to you because that's how I've lived out my life these last 20, 23, 24 years. I was a fairly cocky, proud, self-assured, ambitious, competitive pastor the first 12 years. And I don't think I did a lot of good. I don't think I was worthless but because God loved me. But I sure missed a lot of opportunity. And I think some of you experienced that too in the church. Like, yeah, I'm here, I believe, but, you know, kind of resisting, ignoring, not obeying, wishing I wouldn't be asked this or that. So that's just something to ponder. Does that make sense? You following me? Because I'm totally off script here. What are some of the things you've, you're asked to do regularly that other people don't really seem to want to deal with, and you just step in and do what's needed? Well, there's a lot of management stuff that I've done. It's nuts and bolts, and um, I love the Word of God. Um, I am not the preaching pastor. And I haven't been that way for the last 22 years. I preach occasionally. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of things that just need to be done that are just, it's just left foot, right foot. Let's put this together. You know, let's organize this. Let's put it together. Let's follow through with people. Let's encourage. Discipleship making is often a very slow, incremental business. Hanging with folks. Um, I've had to uh, I've had to regularly correct staff people who are uh, going sideways in relationships, or um, lots of young pastors who were like me when I was young, cocky, full of themselves, called, gifted, believers, just young, <laughs> and need a little refinement, and need a little maturity. Um, I've had to do, um, I've had to engage with older members who've just gotten crotchety and stagnant, not life-giving. Um, and then I've often been dealing with people who have driven their life into the ditch, even as believers. And that's just painful. That's just painful to get alongside those folks. There's a lot of folks that I come alongside of and I go, it's going to cost me to get involved with them. It's just going to cost me. It's going to cost energy. It's going to cost me emotionally. It's going to cost me mentally. Um, I'm going to be pouring my heart out, and I have no guarantee they're going to they're going to respond. It's and I know that I can see that coming now. I mean, like, geez, I've had this for four decades. You know, like I came across somebody who had a son who's been in a dick. He's now 
38 years old, he's been an addict since he's 13. They've gone, he's been a near death six times. He, and it, there's multiple other things, and he sought me out and offered friendship, and I, I remember clearly going, hmm, if I reciprocate here, this is gonna cost me, because I'm gonna start walking alongside the brother, and they're in it, they're just in it. And um, I'd rather be out in the back 40 with my Bible and a cup of coffee meditating with the Lord. It just feels a lot better. It's just, you know. So yeah, there's that kind of stuff. That's real. It's, it's heartache. It's suffering with Christ, folks. We just went through the Holy Week where you suffer with Christ. It's suffering with Christ. It's part of the calling. And you bring the gifts of the Spirit that you've, you know. Um, I have very few physical healings that I can attest to in my life, but there's fair amount of emotional, relational stuff that I've been a part of. But, and while that's fulfilling and while I've been obedient, you know at the front end after a while, go like, this is gonna, I'm gonna suffer in this too. And yet we're releasing the kingdom of God, and that means going into dark places, and that means going into hard places, and that means, you know, having the guts to say, you know, have you ever thought about Christ? Have you ever thought about God's love in, in, in your life? Have you ever considered that? for somebody who's a train wreck out there or living life on their own terms, and you're going, how's that working out for you? I'll tell you something personal that's going on right now, and it's a heartache for me, is my son, uh, one of my, not my son, but my, uh, one of my nephews got arrested three weeks ago on sexual abuse charges. Raised in the church, bitter at God because he lost his first child in embassy to death, blames God. Had a father who abandoned the family to um, start another family with somebody else. So he's got father abandonment, he's had loss. Uh, and I don't know what's true and what's not true, but I could totally tell you, even with a family member, I'm sitting here in another state going like, hmm, that's a mess up there in Michigan. And if I get involved in it, it's gonna cost me emotionally. Question becomes, where's the heart of Christ? And i got to be careful how I say this. I've always been a stable point in that kid's life who's now 36. And I go like, yet another chapter of this, you know? I weighed in, step in the gap of where his father was not available, opened myself up to stuff that I don't want to hear or I can't imagine him doing that he might have done get into the pain of unresolved guilt or guilt and loss, I don't know what's there, but I'm sure aware of the fact that if I get in there, it could be bad. <laughs> it could be really bad, it's gonna cost me. So, yes, is it fulfilling? Absolutely, because when God's in it, it always, God brings life. But as the Psalm says, you often walk through the valley to get to life, right? And a lot of you have lived life of experiencing it. I'm going to say something to you guys over to the left, not to neglect you. You've seen enough of life already, you realize it's not a cakewalk in this life. And so, um, what we're talking about here is I'm loved by God. Spirit dwells within me. I've got the truth of the scripture. I'm gifted by God to benefit this body of Christ, and I am gifted to go out and spread and release this kingdom of God because there's a lot of folks out there who are in hopelessness and confusion and chaos. And they need us. 
And God said, you're my, you're it. Paul said it, you're ambassadors for Christ. So, some of us will bring healing. Some of us will bring words of truth, prophetic truth. Some of us will be teachers. Some of us will be serve, uh, uh, do the food service, like the brother did for, uh, for us today. And some of us will be doing hands-on craftsmanship, just helping people build stuff, physically build stuff. I mean, remember the temple and tabernacle were built by skilled craftsmen for the purpose of worship. Lots of different ways that the kingdom goes out and the presence of God is released. What do you have? What's the call? What's the assignment? That's where we're going. That's where we're going to pray for here in a few minutes. So I said the notes were just a suggestion, so I'm kind of in the, not so much the notes, just talking. It's a tremendous privilege, but we are called to suffer with Christ as well as receive the life that's given to us. And uh, so that gets a little bit to your question, Tim. Yeah. Is it worth it? I'll, I'll ask you a question. Is it worth it? I'm not asking what you believe in your head. I'm asking you, is it worth it? Do you show up with your bodies and your relationships? Do you persevere? I'm going to preach about that or talk about that. I don't know what you're having me do tomorrow. What am I doing tomorrow? Am I preaching or teaching or drinking coffee in the back or what? There's a time when I hand you a microphone and then it's your time. Okay. So I'll say some more about that tomorrow. Um, so we're just talking here about what's, what's involved with this. And, you know, it's the immature person goes like, look what I got from God. The person who's walked with God for a long time and who's used it and shared it realizes they are, it is grace that I receive. The gifts, the back, the, the Greek behind gift is grace. Grace for salvation and, and grace for expression of the kingdom. But it doesn't mean that you're not, um, it's not without cost. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, talked about the cost of discipleship. It's not cheap grace. It's free and it'll cost you everything. Cost you everything. But it brings life. Okay, so um, I'm not going to talk a little bit, I'm not, gonna, I, not long, about uh, the list of gifts. I'll just let you know what I am um, about, or what I think in terms of uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I don't think that what we find in Scripture is the exhaustive list. I just have a big view of God. I think if He decided to invent a new expression or gift of the Spirit today, He's entirely, entirely capable and welcome to do that. I think Paul is always talking about um, gifts as uh, representative of the kinds of things that God might do. So when you're in Ephesians 4, and the five gifts of apostle and pastor and teacher and evangelist, and I can't do the fifth one, and you get into five-fold ministry, and that's all there is. Everybody's got to fit in those. I'm not a believer in that. You might be. I'm not. I think it's, I, I just get uncomfortable when things get too well-defined and nailed down other than the love of God and the grace of God. Um, I think he's using them in a representative way. And, um, and you get a different list. You get more listings in, in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, which I just read. 
It's, is that Holy Spirit empowered? Is it being used for the release of the kingdom? Is it loving people and loving God in the expression of them? That's where you should focus. And so I'm not showing up here with a list and say, you've got to find yourself somewhere on the list. Um, it's helpful sometimes to awaken. We don't have time for that today. To awaken in you. Oh, I never thought that as a gift. Like the book of Psalms is the gift of poetry, the gift of songwriting, because that's basically what David's doing. The whole book seems like it's a gifting to me and building of the tabernacle where people with physical skills that are building things physically according to the direction of God and God calls out specific individuals in the nation of Israel to do that work, to create those places of, of worship through those specifications as a way of honoring God, I would say that's a gift, even though it's not in Paul's list. Does that make sense? Now, so I'll throw that out there. But where you need to be focusing are um, what are God's purposes for the gifts as we are recognize the love of God in our lives, we recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit, not only to keep us on the straight and narrow, but to help us discern what is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, to help us to identify what giftings we've had, to be open to the work and assignments of God every day as he engages in the work of the kingdom. And when I say that, I'm talking about everyday supernatural living. Everyday, ordinary days, supernatural living. God does not take Monday through Saturday off. On Monday, in your place of business, in the bank, in a school, uh, wherever else you might find, in the home, God is moving. And it's everyday, ordinary events, often very small, where we're asked to participate through the expression of our gifts and in obedience to God. Do you have that kind of discernment and sensitivity to the movement of God. And I will answer the question for you. Most of you, like me, miss a lot of parts, big parts of the day where you go like, I wasn't aware of God doing anything in the last five hours. I got stuff done, but I had no idea if he was, how he was interacting with me or moving through me. But he is, and we've got room to grow there. Because he doesn't take the day off, and the mission goes on every day, and mostly in very ordinary ways. We're being watched, friends, what our attitude is, how we show up every day, what we look like, whether we're expressing the fruit of the Spirit, whether we'll set aside our agenda to give somebody 10 minutes so we can hear them and maybe offer prayer for them, uh, put an arm around them, um, mention the fact, have you ever thought about Jesus? Where are you on a journey with God, if anywhere at all? Um, doing confronting and speaking truth in love. This is our everyday, ordinary stuff. With one another, in our homes, in the church, out in the community, the Spirit of God is moving. And are we discerning that? Are you aware of that? And I'm still working on that myself. And I work in a church. 
Now you all got real quiet there. That landed pretty, pretty deep, it felt. Causes you reflection. That's good. Okay. Um, nature of the church is to belong and serve, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, we should operate with humility, no pride. We should value one another as gifts from the Lord. Um, I live in a church that's got 144 nations in it. I think we have a culture issue. It's amazing. People said, you guys are like, you guys are cross-cultural. We got like, we just got people in the building. We haven't figured out how to live with one another yet. <laughs> Let alone form culture together yet. That's the hard work. The low-hanging fruit is just getting them in the building. And we didn't have anything to do with that. God just brought them. And then we tried not to screw it up. Yeah. 144 different countries. Different countries. Different countries. We have Latinos, we have blacks, we have whites. You think, you know, race conflict around our nation didn't show up in the church, didn't get discussed, didn't have strong, hard, personal conversations about that, didn't drive us to scripture, didn't humble us, didn't expose pride, didn't, you know, I mean, across the board, didn't, didn't challenge us to, are we really listening to one another? What's the spirit doing here? Because it says everyone's been received into the kingdom of God and everyone has been given gifts and everyone, and Paul says quite a bit about the unity of the church. And that's one of those places where I go like, man, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of laying down your life and it's a lot of setting aside, this may be my, not doctrine, this may be my opinion that gets in the way. And what I'm called to is to set aside often my opinions for the work of the kingdom. So, is that a struggle for me? Yeah. I'll bet it is for everybody. And by God's grace, we hang in there, and yeah, we've had people leave. But when we talk about Holy Spirit, this is the work of the kingdom. That's what keeps bringing me back. I look at Paul, brings me back to that, brings me back to that, brings me back to that. So, do we see movement of God in dramatic ways? Do we see movement of God in small ways, the exercise of gifts? Yes. I will tell you this, at the end of the day, this is not a like, I don't do any of this at Reach. This is all for you guys. This is this, I'm just flowing here now. Um, I will tell you this, I cannot get past Revelation 7. I cannot get past Revelation 7 where it says, this is where this kingdom goes. It goes to the place where every tribe, nation, and tongue is before the throne of God, bowing down and worshiping. That's where the kingdom is driving. Does that challenge me left and right? Cause conflict in the church? Lots of misunderstanding? A lot of forgiveness back and forth? And I've been talking about just one church. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It's mess. The Spirit's in the middle of the mess. Do you understand mess? Do you understand differences of opinion with brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you understand that? Yeah. Spirit's in it. If we keep our eyes of this is what love means, this is what humility means, and this is where God's going to bring the whole enterprise to, to, when he comes again and this whole redemption project is done and we go to see him face to face, that's what it's going to look like. That's what it's aiming toward. 
and our young people are watching us left and right. So if um, I know you guys have been through some stuff. I don't know your history here. I know you've been through some stuff because we had an hour and a half drive last night, Tim and I. So we were trading stories. It's cost me. If you were to look at the scars on my back from brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of emotional scars. There's a lot of betrayal scars. There's a lot of this. And yet, I've seen the Lord work through it. And I continue to choose every day, hey, we're going to engage here. We're going to work through the kingdom of God. I'm going to learn to love more. I'm going to strive for unity. And we're going to continue just to press on because none of us have got it figured out. And I know this. Now I'm preaching. Jesus is my Savior, period. I'm not looking anywhere else for that. And that's where, the, that's where the wattage of the Holy Spirit lights up when I keep coming back to Jesus. I started off today saying, seek Jesus first. Okay. Yeah, I may be preaching. So, what are we going to do here today? Because where my notes take me and where I take the REACH students is slightly different. I think I'm still heading on True North because I said I'd follow Jesus. And I think uh, what's being expressed to me is just what the Spirit wants to say to you guys today. So I brought some stuff. We did some of that. We didn't do some of that. So let's do this. We're at 3 o'clock, and we got maybe an hour left. Let's go to, let's go to the money question. <laughs> what do you want? What are you seeking? And let's, let's spend some time in prayer. I would imagine some of us today need to have some prayers for healing. Your hearts have been wounded. Maybe there are some events that have happened here. Maybe by events that have happened outside the church. Maybe um, personal struggles that you're having internally that nobody even knows about because you keep that pretty tightly wrapped up. Um, some of you may be saying, I would like to ask God for more, more of his spirit. Just a deeper expression, and that's your question. More, God, more of your spirit. Pretty simple. Maybe some of you are saying, I want to become more aware of the gifts that God has given me. And, you know, you've, your pastor knows the gifts. He, he can coach you along, and you know, pray for it today. And... Um, You've got people in the church that can help you find that out. And maybe some of you are looking at something that you want to do in the name of Christ that is a strong desire, but you just can't see your way to it. You just can't put it together. It calls for a little bit of risk. Um, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to, um, and I want to say this too. I don't know you people in this room. I have no idea where you are. You may be here, but you may not even know Jesus Christ. I don't know. Maybe today there is a, you sense the Spirit saying to you, why don't you accept my love? Not in, a, not in a bad way, like, why don't you accept my love? But why don't you come? Open your heart to the fact that I love you and gave my life to you. And pray a word of salvation on you today. But what we're going to do 
is have your prayer team come forward and we're gonna break up in small groups and in those small groups, we're gonna go around and you're gonna have an opportunity to be prayed for it. And I wanna encourage every one of you not just to pray for others, because you're gonna do that too, but also to ask for something that you feel like the Holy Spirit has placed on your heart to ask for. Does that make sense? And if that happens quietly, that's great. If it gets a little dramatic, we're in a safe place. I'm okay with it. And let's minister to one another. Let's pray for what you feel the Holy Spirit put weight on for you today, what the Holy Spirit is inviting you toward, um, how you've responded today to what's been said, because I really believe that the Holy Spirit has shaped whatever I've said just for you today. I tapped into some of my resources, but I went off the reservation like half a dozen times and just started drawing on what I felt was needed to be said at the time. I had no grand plan. And let's express love to one another. Let's listen to one another carefully. Let's not give any counsel, no advice giving, no, this is my experience with this issue. None of that. No advice, no counseling, no, no sharing of your experience. We just listen to somebody and then pray for it and listen to the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm after. I'm creating space for the Spirit to speak and not us. And um, how many in the prayer team are here? Linda, Stan. Stan, your name? You're good. Eight? It's a good chunk. I don't know if we need eight groups. What do you want to do? You want to break it down into, you got eight people, we could do four groups. Yeah. Let's try that. What do you think, Stan? Tina? These are the only three that I've, I've met on the prayer team so far that I identified. Pete? Sound good? Yeah, you guys. You guys could work together or separately, whatever you want. Okay. Am I been clear enough? Is this sound good? I'm not looking for approval. I'm just too old for that anymore. <laughs> just tell me if you're sensing, what I'm asking for is you sense God's spirit in this. Yep. Yeah? Okay, how are we going to work with the kids? Just integrate? What do you want? What do you want to do? You're the pastor. I don't know. Let's integrate them into groups. Yeah. We're going to integrate you into adult groups. So we got, we got multiple generations in there, okay? So you can't all, can't all move into your own group. Or, or wait a minute. You could take that group. That's another option. What do you want to do? Do your kiddos? But you can't take your relatives. Are they comfortable? Will they be honest? Ask the question once you get them together. If you want to put somebody in another group, do that. Okay. All right. So put on some. Mood. That'd be nice. No, okay, good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'll let you guys organize it. So, Dan, you... Once you get them together, I'm going to get a little bit more word of instruction. Sorry. Once you get them all together and organized, I'm going to give a little bit more instruction. Kids want to stay together. Well, I was going to say, I, okay. I think that you guys do such a great job, and they're so comfortable. Yeah, yeah you guys can trump you. me. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I that was my first thought. I, I was thinking, I didn't, I didn't put it together that you were here, because so. I know you're here, but um, 
But then I thought, like, well, no, no, that might work better. So I'll, I'll go with your instincts. Mark, can you go with well, Mark that was and John? Yeah, I think they're more comfortable with us. And that's what we're looking for. Like, what gives them, what gives them the most space to enter in? Go slow. Okay. Good? So this is the other, this is the other part of who you are. This is my husband, Rusty. Hi, Rusty. Rusty. This is Steven. Steven. Hi, Steven. Good. Good to meet you.